slightly different flavour to this week's podcast, Liz Webster is a livestock farmer in the UK who has been busy campaigning for British farming and the British countryside. Liz believes the food system in the UK is in big trouble, largely because of Brexit. We discuss her views on this, on factory farming and on the future of cultivated meat, which is on the whole unfavourable. And of course it's important to hear all sides. I'm Alex Crisp and welcome to this latest Future of Foods podcast. So, um, lovely to meet you, Liz. I've I I have seen you before. I I, I watched a little uh, episode where you were talking to Anne Widdicombe on, um, <laughs> on on the Jeremy Vine program, which was which made me smile. Yeah, round one. I'm looking forward to round two. Yeah, I think you put her in her place, but obviously she'd never admit to that. Um, no, so, I I, I realise that. Yeah. Yeah, as you said, she is perhaps a little entrenched in her way. Yes, She's, she reminds me of my mother-in-law. And my mother, in fact, yeah. So, um, okay, Liz, so as well as being a, a, a food and farming campaigner, you also are a, a livestock farmer. Could you tell me a little bit about your farm, please? Yeah, well, it's my husband's farm. He was born here. Um, and um, it was a fairly large farm. It used to be dairy. Um, and we finished dairy, oh, I don't know, mid-2000s, I suppose, uh, because it became um, not worth the effort, I suppose is the word. And um, and so went into then a beef, a suckler herd. So kept a lot of the breeding um, stock carried on from there so we have about the it depends but around about 350 animals so uh, just over a hundred of the sort of breeding cattle and the calves and then the stall cattle okay do you uh i mean are they um i don't know what the, the term is are they free range <laughs> Um, where we live, it's very wet. We're right on the on the sort of um, the beginning of the Thames, so it's low lying. So uh, cattle have been on this area for well thousands of years. Um, in fact, uh, William Cobbett rode through here. If you know rural rides, um, two hundred years ago, uh, it, you know it's a very sort of ancient area um, here. And it's always been a, a farmed area, but of low grade soil. So not good enough to grow anything else, um, you know, apart from grass, really, and and animal feed. So they spend the summer outside um, and then in the winter they have to come in and they're jolly glad to come in because it's too wet. They get problems with their feet. So they spend the winter in the sheds. So they're generally out for seven months of the year and in the shed for about five. Depends on the weather. Okay, you you mentioned earlier we had a, a quick conversation, and and you said as a result of Brexit, your 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 farming habits have changed slightly. 
Yeah, I mean, only that because of money and, you know, BPS is is, is now uh, in its last uh, stages. It's been withdrawn gradually. And so uh, we are, we've been working this last year to bring the youngsters on quicker so that they go into them, they have a you know shorter life, essentially. Um, and that's the way that we can continue to farm them and, and keep them. Um, otherwise, they become very expensive pets. I see. And, and as much as we love looking after them, it, it becomes a point where economically you can't uh, you can't justify um, keep keeping them going. So uh, so we're sort of trying to keep things going in a sort of halfway house. We're very if we were younger, we could probably increase the size of the herd, but we don't want to do that. We're we're too old. Um, but that is what a lot of people are doing, especially younger farmers. They are increasing their numbers. The more numbers you've got, then the more economic uh, it, it is, which is why Australia and New Zealand, you know, can produce meat so quickly, uh, so cheaply or cheaper than us, because A, they don't have the same standards that we have uh, um, and they, their numbers are phenomenal. What is BPS? That's the basic payments um, system. So that was the food subsidy cap that everybody moaned about that was so terrible. I don't know why they did. It was a very efficient um, way of ensuring that farmers could continue to make food and hedge against the market problems. That There's always a buffer there. Um, there's no systems are all flawed. Um, but the BPS, uh, you know, the, that, that system has worked out worked out very, very well. So now that is being um, ended. And then we're, we're meant to be transitioning into ELMS, but ELMS is still not sorted out and there's all sorts of problems What's with ELMS. Um, that's the environmental land management system. So it was the sort of panacea of, of you know, the sort of environmentalists thought it was going to be amazing and everything else. But you've got to be able to take land out of production. As I said to you, you know, it's all very well thinking. When you're Zach Goldsmith and you're a, um, a multimillionaire and you've got lots of, of land and you don't have to make money out of it, then you probably can have five or six animals out in in um, hundreds of acres, um, but not all of us are in that luxury. You've got to be able to. to it's got the 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 economics have to work. Um, so there's if you've got a particularly large farm, a lot of land, then then yes, there is a way of working it out. But it does mean that the amount of food that we're producing, you know, certainly comes. Will certainly be depleted. So the idea there has to be a delicate balance between getting enough food, um, making it a, a viable economic model, and um, and it being um, palatable to consumers. Um, and and that's what we've had with with the CAP. We had the best model. Consumers could say we're not happy with the way you're keeping your chickens. Or, you know, you have all of that is being taken away now. Um, and it's all being about farmers really becoming almost park keepers to some extent with this sort of sideline of producing food or doing camping or, or you know, or, or whatever else people are finding to do. So in caravans, some people are doing all sorts of different things. There's more money in probably having a camping site than there is looking after cattle. 
Okay, so that's what that's what the elms is in a way. It's it's to encourage sort of rewilding and and it's uh it's a subsidies for you to kind of take care of your land in a particular way, which isn't necessarily for producing food. Is that yeah? Is that right? Yeah, I mean they have got some subsidies for um, British stock. Um, that you know there are different the different things that you can get into. The, the main problem is that for most farmers, particularly smaller farmers, is it's very complex. You need an agent to go through it. The, the application process is complex um, and a lot of farmers won't bother. The take up on it has been woefully low and there's a reason for that. Um, I, recently in The Spectator, actually, there's an article about um, James Dyson, who's a you know, very large landowner, um, and his frustrations with um, DEFRA and Therese Coffee. It's worth a read. Um, right. So, um, uh, because uh, it, it seems as though the whole sort of drive of environmentalism has has just taken over uh, that department, and and it seems as though food is seen as superfluous, um, which I find very alarming. Mm. It seems as though the importance of food within this government and uh, the civil service has been forgotten. Um, and it's been building for a long time because the supermarkets have been so efficient um, in driving down prices and getting variety. But now that Brexit has happened um, and that the, the world is in a very fragile place and because of um, war, conflict and um, and climate crisis, that it, it seems as though we're not I, I don't think we're being cautious enough about making sure we've got enough food. China has been stockpiling food since 2010, funnily enough. Um, and and so I, I would be looking more at the Chinese model. Right. I don't like the thought of not having enough food. I mean, people, I suppose people um, who are not in the industry um, kind of ask the question, how come farming uh, needs to be subsidised by quite so much, you know, kind of meat production? Uh, you know what's the well I mean the 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 subsidy thing is always difficult isn't it if if you I mean I would say why are the government subsidizing uh, cutting down trees in Canada to chip them to ship them over here and to burn um, instead of coal even though we've got coal stocks um, because it sounds better I mean it's not it's you know that's greenwashing isn't it the whole point of food subsidies, and every country in the world subsidizes food. I mean, America is one of the biggest uh, um, subsidizer of food, and China subsidizes food. Australia and New Zealand do not, but there's a reason for that. They've got a very small population on very uh, on very big um, areas of land which has got a good climate and and so they they have a food surplus not many countries are in that luxury position of having a food surplus mm. so um so is it just that is, is it just that um sort of livestock farming isn't profitable or is it that it's it's not um it's not profitable it, enough to be it's a, not a, some subsidies are not just for livestock farming i mean it's for all farming mm. and and every the whole thing about the food chain is interconnected so if you, I mean, this is one of the arguments that we get from vegans is that oh, all this land is wasted because your livestock are using it all. But it isn't that simple because where, as I've explained to you, where we farm here, we can't grow food that's good enough for human consumption. 
it's low line, it's, it's full of clay um, and it, it grows amazing grass, but humans can't eat grass. And there, I know there's ideas of cutting grass and then, and then, you know, pouring that into, into, an, but, it, but it doesn't make any sense to use a, um, a petrol engine to cut grass and keep, to, rather than an animal goes out, it turns that grass into protein very effectively. And mm. I mean, there are some fantastic charts that tell you bits of animals do more than just feed us humans, you know, it, it, it is a, there's no wastage in the system. There's more no. wastage now since Brexit. Um, but animals have a job to do and they're meant to do that. That, you know, as I've said, for thousands of years, since the Neolithic period, we have farmed on these islands. That's mm. what is meant to happen. The only thing that we, that's changed is that the human population in this country has increased, um, a lot. Um, we're living longer. That's the main reason why the population has has been driven um, so much since the war. Mm. Uh, and we've had less children. So we've needed to um, have immigration to hold up the older population who are fortunate in living a longer life. So we need to feed more people, which is why when, when you know, we came out of the wars, why we went into Europe, we lost the empire. We relied on the empire for food. Winston yes. Churchill famously redirected food from India, um, and there was a famine in Bengal, so that we ate. Um, and these harsh realities are really sort of things that need to be remembered, because in a crisis, in a world global crisis. I'm just thinking about, you know, you, 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 said, you said earlier about, um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in, the, uh, in the idea of speeding, speeding the growth of the calves and and what do you you know what do you feed what do you feed them to speed their their growth that's not just grass is it i suppose it is we we grow everything everything they eat we grow here on the farm so they have silage so we su- we're supplementing for the first time ever we've never done this before we're supplementing them with some silage in the summer normally they're out so they they we're supplementing their feed in America and, and and Canada and Australia, they use hormones. We don't use hormones here okay. because you know often they the, that and that is the chemical that is you know the chemicals are similar in in the lab grown food that they have to use some of those hormones. Mm. Um, and that is something I would go out of my way to avoid. I will not be eating hormones. So how does it speed up their growth if it's just if it's just grass they're eating? Because they're eating more and they're doing less. Oh, I see. You know, if they're if they're out running around hundreds of acres, they are running around having fun and playing, and they, you know, they they use more energy. Whereas if they're if they're not in such a large field, they're they're not running so much. Mm. Mm. I mean, so I they have a, they they normally have a sort of fairly, especially because they're younger. It's like a puppy, you know, when you've got a younger dog, they do more. So right. There's not much okay. between a dog and a cow in that respect. So I suppose they get, I suppose they get more sort of fatty then, do they? I mean, it's not, it's clearly not sort of muscle. On, well, no, it will that. be, it will be muscle. They're young. They're just, as I said, they lose weight over the summer generally because they're outside, um, you know, over a period from April through till November or end of October. So um, it is the fact that they won't lose weight this summer. So they won't be fat. No, it's right. not. It's not artificial. We're not artificially stuffing them. You would probably find that more with a hormone-fed one. Right. Um, and the, the, when they're in a feedlot, it's very different to what they've got here. They're still in. A, they're still in a field, but they're not in a feedlot. A feedlot is no grass. 
they're only fed corn they're not fed right. grass okay so it's very is very different so how, so how much would that um what sort of difference would that make to the lifespan of an animal uh well probably um, it's going to be a couple of months shorter or is that all it's not it's not yeah. it's not years it's just months yeah. but if you're in a feedlot what 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 does that reduce the animal's life to do you know uh, that's considerably less because I said they use a they fatten them with uh, eating them on corn and then they use the hormones. So I think that you're looking at, um, you know, well, a good few months less. Right. So probably a bag, of, you know, they probably go out about 18 months. So how long do you keep them for? How old are they when how long are they alive before they they not... Well, some of them, some of them live until the end of their life um, or. Right. Um, because they're the ones that you're breeding from. Um, but then some of them, the ones that go out into the food chain, are generally about two years old. Okay. And they have a good life. You know, yeah. that's that's the thing. And yes, it is horrible the day the days they go out, but it means that they ensure that the rest of them have a good life as well. And they do a job that they're meant to do. They help with biodiversity, they fertilize the land. Um, and they cut the grass, which means that the, the, the grass to actually sequester carbon needs to be. Um, so this rewilding thing is, is a bit complicated in that it, it uses um, more oxygen when the grass is long. So to make sure that it's actually absorbing carbon, you want your grass to be short. Um, yeah. And that's what they do. And they keep right. everything going. Otherwise, you have to mow it and then you've got to use fossil fuels to mow it. Right. Or it turns into an, an unsightly mess and the hedges soon grow up and it turns into what we call scrub. Uh, as you know, I uh, I spoke to Philip Limbury last um, week, actually, recently, um, and uh, who's the CEO at Compassion in World Farming. They're campaigning to end factory farming. I mean, I know that's not what I know that's not what you're doing there. The idea that um, that uh, cultivated meat can can replace factory farming at some point in the future. What do you? What's your opinion of cultivated meat? Well, I've read some of the research to say that um, the cultivated meat is is up to twenty five times more climate damaging. This, that's and, the and, and... that's the UC Davies report, isn't it? Which 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 kind of looks. So, at, um, it looks at but, the but, worst case scenarios, kind of with sort of pharmaceutical grade feed, which which means that kind of a litre, uh, you know, on on the pharmaceutical feed, a litre is, is 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 I'm not sure how much, but maybe like a thousand pounds worth, which would have made a which would make your burger like a hundred pounds a burger. So that was never really going to be a legitimate yeah. way of producing. Well, what I would say that if I look at the feedlots in Brazil and um, America and Australia, I, I, I find those that that's really uncomfortable because the animals have a horrible life um, and the staff working there have a pretty bad life, too. So and, and they go on these ships and they sink and it, it's horrific. You know, it is it is horrific. So that is, is, is very upsetting. We don't have that here in this country. We farm, we have the highest standards in the world. And particularly for beef, you know, it's not the same as chicken. You know, a chicken shed from egg to shelf is very, very short. 
whereas I've explained to you for beef, it's it's a very different matter. I mean, you can come here. I, uh, you know, we've got a number of animals who I would say are, are pets. You can stroke them, you can sit on them, you can feed them with, uh, you know, they like eating pears and apples. They are part of your family. Um, mm. And um, and it's very different to what, what goes on there. And the problem that we have in collapsing uh, support for the way that we farm food is that I strongly believe that the size of that industry in Brazil and so forth, those huge companies are going to end up feeding Britain. And so, you know, if we collapse our, our sustainable farming here to damage the countryside, it will look differently if we don't have animals on our fields. You know, I absolutely, when I come back to England, I fly over it and I see our beautiful countryside and it, it is exceptional. Um, and it breaks my heart to think that that would be gone because the reason it's like that is because of the way we farm. You know, it's cute little cute little fields <laughs> and yeah. in america you don't have that you you know you in you you it and and so that i think is is something that really is about our, our my identity is built within that so the thought of getting rid of that to have a load of scary factories that need to be run 24 seven, I guess, with security and cars and staff and chemicals arriving and people in suits. Um, mm. I find really dystopian and disturbing. Um, I mean, I understand, and... I understand that feeling, but, but really, I don't think there's any suggestion that, 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 um, that the bioreactors or the, or the cultivated meat would replace the small scale farming where, it, but it, it is going to, because that's what Brexit changes are ensuring, that the smaller scale farming is not being supported. And mm. so, in, and this is what's gone wrong with Brexit from this government, that they really, if, to cut off our food supply from Europe is, is one thing. Um, you know, we're no longer a priority for Europe. I know we're the only ones with red tape. Um but we're no longer seen as in the club. So we're, we're sort of like second on the list to go anywhere, which is why we're having to fall to rely on food from Morocco more than we did. And ultimately, it means that the only farming that probably will continue is the intensive farming. And, and that's so your labs are not going to replace your, you know, it's the small, cute farms that are going to go and they're already beginning. Good. Yeah, but, and that's, but that's what is so sad. But I suppose, I suppose the the question there. I mean, if it's inevitable that those small farms are going to go anyway and to be turned into to uh, factory farming, industrial farming, um, which which would we rather? Would we rather have a a kind of a kind of slaughter factory, or would we rather have a kind of cultivated meat factory where you know i mean it it becomes a similar system doesn't it where you i mean the the slaughter farm. when you when you focus on the end when you get a dog or a cat you don't focus on the end of their life you know you enjoy their life and then they go to the vet most of the time most of them end up being uh, you know put to sleep generally and uh, you know most of the dogs i've had have been put to sleep because of wanting to make sure they don't suffer and so ultimately, if you focused on the end of the life of a pet, you're not going to have a pet. And then there wouldn't be any dogs or cats. You know, there wouldn't be as many. So 
All of these things are subjective and, and it's complicated. But ultimately, we are still at a point where we can protect our farming. There still is time to stop the worst happening. And what I would say to, you know, hopefully soon we're going to have a change of government, it's looking very likely that Labour are going to win um, the next government. And I will push hard to ensure that we do hold on to good food. Because I don't, I'm, what I'm scared of is that we end up with a food system like our clothing system, where everybody wears synthetic fibres, apart from the super rich who can afford the best. Um, and, and that is not a world I want to be in because I believe in equality and food equality and health really um, are what we've enjoyed in, in within the European Union. And that is what is on the radar here. As in, you can't afford food. Oh, dear, bad luck. There's been a war. We've done Brexit. But OK, you can eat this food that comes from a lab and be a guinea pig and see how long you live with it. Because that's kind of what it feels like. Oh, you've got to eat the stuff that's shipped in from a feedlot. Um, so I think it's a very difficult uh, topic to talk about. I'm not a, a Luddite. Um, and I'm not, um, I, you know, I understand there's, there's not ideal things about farming. But I think that our farming system is very good. And I think there's a lot more that could be invested into it to make it better. And I think mm. for our future um, and for future generations, it's a fight that's worth fighting for because it's, as I've said, it's our countryside. It is the most sustainable and friendly way of doing it. And the thought of turning these fields it, into concrete it, factories to grow meat to me, is just it idiot. Me that, it seems to me that you are, that you are against uh, industrial farming. That you'd yes. rather, you know, you'd, you'd rather kind of keep it, you know, um, small as we all would. Um, but I mean, if if well, so, we, so we need to stop subsidising logs coming over from Canada to mm. be to be to be supposedly green when it's not, mm. um, and and get behind our farming system because you are what you eat. You literally are what you eat. A good diet makes a person. And I mean, we've already argument... got health problems now. We've, we, we've got malnutrition um, back on the radar. 11,000 people last year hospitalised with rickets coming back, uh, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and it's horrific. Yeah. And that shouldn't be happening in a modern society. And we don't argument... know what the long lifetime health impacts will be of that on a human body. Well, I suppose the oh, I, I wouldn't want to that, feed it uh, to my dog either. <laughs> I suppose the argument is that uh, that that um, uh, the traditional farming um, system uh, cannot feed the amount of you know the growing population because the growing population is eating more and more meat every year and kind of growing. Well, that's. I mean, hang on. We're looking. If you look globally, it's a complicated picture because of developing nations. Um, but in this part of the world, actually, our population is is declining rapidly because the my I'm just a baby boomer. My generation are dying off now, um, and we all had less children. So, so ultimately, the population here is, uh, and in the same in Europe, is is going to be declining quite quickly um, mm. over over the next couple of decades. So. Um, the most sensible thing for us to do is to get rid of this Brexit tape and free up trade again with Europe. And it's the best system that you could get because the size of the European continent 
it's on our doorstep rather than flying in food from India or from, you know, Peru or Mexico. It makes absolute sense to make sure that we open up our markets again with Europe. It, it's why we joined and we joined the European Union in the beginning for food security, because we learned some jolly hard lessons in the last two world wars. And so there's no reason why we can't go to that. I'm sure that as things are going into insect food is becoming and novel foods are coming, I'm sure that there will be factory grown food that comes through. I just don't think it's it's sensible to sort of plaster factories all over the country growing this stuff. Um, no, I'm I mean, sure that a few people be... will choose to, to eat it because if you've decided to be vegan or vegetarian, it may be something that that uh, you know is suitable to one palate. I yeah. just don't think it's a mass market thing. And what it, what I'm worried about is that the view or the belief that it can replace our system means that we end up then relying more on, on you know, food coming in from Brazil and rainforest clearance and basically offshoring our food production to the lowest of standards. And I, I think that's, them... that's a risk that's too great to, to, to take. I just want I just want to put this question to you, which is a, a question that I've asked a couple of my friends um, in the past who are, um, you know, who are meat eaters. You know, I asked the question um, if you were given two burgers that were that were identical in flavor, in texture, in nutritional value, um, but one of them came from um, a slaughtered animal and the other one came from a lab. But they are, but they are identical in every other way. Which one? Which one would you prefer? Well, okay, I, I, okay. I, 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 if you really want, if you really care about what you eat and um, and your health, a burger is probably the least healthy thing to eat because it it, well, it, it tends to be an older animal, and that's how I mean, you know, that's how BSE um, came. It could be a to... burger, or it could be a kind of fillet of steak, or it can be, you know. It can be any, it can be anything. That's not really that's not really the uh, that's not. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would definitely choose a natural product because okay. I completely um, understand why uh, that product is the healthiest option for me. If I was out in America and I had to eat an American steak um, on a regular basis, because I think now every now and then it's probably okay, I would be very worried about whether it had hormones. So I would go out of my way to make sure that it was a grass-fed, non-hormone-fed animal. Yeah. But that, that would be my choice. Um, but I, I choose not to eat process, as much processed food as possible. I, you know, um, that, that is, is the healthiest thing for you to eat in season, unprocessed, and as local as possible, and that is the best diet. And to is vary it, it. Um, is it that in England it's just not a it's 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 not a practice in in um, in livestock farming that hormones are used. You know, they're not used. It's not just in. It's not just. It's in Europe as well. I mean, the, the the systems are different. We've got a precautionary system here, so that's why our standards are so much higher. But all of the scientific and uh, evidence for hormones is is pretty scary. So I would not be putting that stuff. If you ate a steak, we're on a holiday, and you ate a steak every now and then, it's not going to impact you. But over a long period of time, if you're regularly eating hormone fed meat, um, that would be bad. But also consciously. I would, you know, I would struggle about eating an animal that's had the most awful life. I feel good about eating something, which is why we choose to eat if we eat chicken. It would be higher welfare chicken because I, I don't want to eat a chicken that's 
but uh, you know it had had you know a kind of limited life really so and particularly in america the way that um chickens are reared is is pretty horrific um so it, i mean the other thing also is uh is the use of antibiotics isn't it they uh, give them antibiotics well because they're in close confines yeah. they have to feed them antibiotics to stop them getting sick so they use them as preventative um here we only use antibiotics to treat so we we do not use antibiotics unless we have to and they are huge problems for all of us with antibiotic uh, resistance when it's mm. when it's overused and that's what i've said when you if we collapse if we lose faith in our farming model here and just say oh we'll just all go to lab food and then it doesn't work and we end up then enabling the worst of all nightmares that this food comes in from mexico australia blah 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 then then that's that's the real monster that we've got to be awake to um and and really being um responsible for our, our you know the future generations and so forth i mean the difference between thinking about the collapse of the when i grew up everybody wore wool and cotton we didn't have i mean crimpoline had just come in in the 60s i think um and now of course we all wear these synthetic fibers and if that were to happen to the food system that nearly everybody eats synthetic food then what would the countryside become well, and also, we, as I said, yes. you're not eating your clothes. You know, I, I'm only wear. I mean, this is synthetic. I'm only wearing this. I'm not eating it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that's the issue with it, really. That I, I mean, have. It's, you know, and, it's, and I uh, just don't think it. I I think the, the amount of money that goes into those big food companies, Cargill and JBL, um, means that they they they're not removing funding from that. Thinking, oh, lab grown food's going to replace this. No way. There's just no way. So if somebody was to as I said, the option for was me to give you, is to get back into Europe. If somebody was to give you uh was to give you ten thousand pounds in order to say uh three positive things about cultivated meat, if there you know, I'm, is there I'm anything not, is there anything positive yeah. about it that you can that you can think of? I honestly somebody could offer me all the money in the world to say something and I'm not going to say something that's not truthful because I'm an honest person. And um, I've given my honest view about lab-grown food, which is I can see that there is a market for it. I'm not entirely comfortable with the clinical aspect of it and the pharmaceutical side of it. Um, And it's so that side of it is something that we have to deal with. Like all pharmaceutical world, it's it's shadowy, isn't it? Um, But... Ultimately, I cannot see it replacing all of the meat in in in, in any time soon. I can't stop it coming. No, it's coming. I just don't think it's going to be as um, mainstream as possible. And what I'd say to you is, come to the farm here. Come and meet some animals. And actually, because you know, we always say this thing: if polar bears uh, were farmed, if we had polar bears, they wouldn't be extinct. And animals are very much part of our lives, and they should be. And livestock are part of the the whole food chain, the whole existence of this world. And when we overthink about those things, I've said, if you nobody overthinks about owning a dog, and oh, I'm not going to own this dog because I'm going to end up taking it to the vet. I mean, because you know, all of these things are emotional and problematic. 
but celebrate British farming. It, we are lucky. The Americans think that we're we're bonkers, that we, but they're jealous of us, really, because we have beautiful countryside. I have Americans walking on the farm here because we have a footpath. They cry as they walk through here because in America you cannot walk on farms because they they don't have the culture that we have, and that is what we should celebrate as British people, and maybe not get too zoned in to thinking about this oh gosh you know I don't want to eat something because it's been killed Every, all of us live and die all of us some of us have a better life and a longer life than others some of us have tragic awful horrific deaths and uh, you know these things are out of our control but when we farm our animals they have a good life we make sure that they actually have a great I think we're slightly at I think we're slightly at odds with each other because you know, because the way I see it, cultivated meat is not is not there to replace the animals that have good lives that 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 have that are that kind of live in this kind of nice sort of natural way, which you which you want, and we want. Everybody, everyone loves the idea of going through the countryside and and kind of seeing the cows. The idea of cultivated meat is to is is to. Uh, is to replace the cows that have an awful life. Is to replace the pigs and the chickens that have awful lives. Well, I know, I know, but this is the same. This, this, in, this argument, yeah. this argument is the same as the Brexit argument. People say, "Oh, I voted." I mean, June Mummery voted to bring back fishing, but of course, fishing didn't happen. And I see the bigger picture in that the corporations here, the global corporations, are the people with the power and the strength to control the food system. And it's already incredibly centralized and everything is being hoovered up into one big place. So ultimately the push for lab or the belief that it's okay to go down this thing because it, it, it's stopping animal suffering is not true. As I said, I think it will end up that lab grown food is niche and it'll remain niche and I think that the mass market will be fed from those awful feedlots. So we really must fight to get behind our countryside, our British farming, our values, our health um, and our traditions. Uh, and that, that's what I would say. If you lived in America, I could understand you pushing more for lab-grown meat because of the way that they have gone. But we're not there yet. Well, I suppose I'm thinking. More, stop I suppose happening. I'm trying to think more globally. I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, I understand that. I'm, I understand that the UK, um, it 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 has higher standards. And but yes, I mean, when you think uh, of, I am thinking of the UK. I'm also thinking of of uh, places like the Middle East and 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 the Far East who who have to import a lot of their of their meat. And you know, and their and their populations are are growing quickly and they are eating more and more meat and and expecting more and more meat so in order to provide the meat for these these uh you know these markets it it, it either has to be done through intensive farming or there has to be a new way of doing that and that new way of doing that as far as i can see a more humane way of doing that is through is is through cultivated meat we're not in the global situation. We're just a small country and we're largely irrelevant since we left the European Union. We don't have a voice in, in, in on the global stage really any longer. 
So, um, so I would say that we ought to, as British people, be concerned about our food right now. And, and the push for us should be, to, as I've said, to try and get back into the at least the European economic area um, and, and perhaps evolve that lab situation, then we'll evolve with Europe alongside Europe. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get rid of some of the worst farming in you know, some of the chicken sheds in Poland, which, which we could do without. Having said that, I strongly believe they won't go. And it's, so much money has gone into this intensive farming um, that it doesn't collapse easily. Um, and if you see how much China have invested in intensive farming, I mean, look at their pig sector. They've got multi-layered pig sheds. Um, mm. So it is a complicated matter. And it is easy to, through marketing and emotion, for people that are awake to animal suffering and those sort of things to sort of think, oh, I'm going to look for an alternative which is clinical and nice. And I understand that, but we do sometimes just have to draw back and think, you know, more cohesively about, as I said, our tradition, our culture, and about what we can control um, ourselves. And so for us, you know, if I could go back to how the food system was when I was growing up, which was largely decentralised, much more local abattoirs, so animals didn't don't have to travel so far, um, that was more or less part of our lives. And, and if you go to New Zealand, even though their farms are bigger, it is still very much like that. You go and speak to a New Zealander and they understand their food comes from a farm. If you speak to people in Britain, they largely think the food grows on the supermarket shelves and don't yeah. really understand the connection to it. And it's so important for all of us to feel that connection to the land but then isn't um, because that, it, it isn't is that an what we are isn't that an interesting point that that's that human beings would rather not think about the fact that their food has come from slaughter or death you know they it's like you said that, that they think it grows on the shelf but if they if they actually started to think about what how the food arrives on their plate maybe they would eat less meat Maybe perhaps they would be. But but uh, well, but no, it, it because I know how it. the because I know how my British um, friends and colleagues farm. I'm delighted to eat a piece of of, of sustainably reared meat because I'm mm. contributing to a fantastic system. Mm. And as I've said, if we didn't have these animals, they wouldn't live. And they have a great life. But you, I imagine that fantastic, you don't enjoy. As I enjoy... said, come come here. Come yeah. here and meet them and well, see them. And on a farm. Them. I did grow up on a dairy farm, you know, I and and it was a good farm and 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 the animals were treated well. And I mean, I am I, I am pragmatic, I suppose, in in this in this regard. In that in that I I just sort of think that nobody actually enjoys watching an animal be slaughtered. Nobody, you know, nobody does. I don't care, even if you work. Yeah, but as I said, you don't. Wouldn't enjoy. No, of course, it's happens. it's very hard. And when you take your your pet uh, to be put down, whether it's sometimes they have to be put down when they're young, sometimes they get yeah. run over. You know, these things happen. Um, it's very very sad, but they've still had a life. Um, and I, as I've said, livestock have a job to do. They have an actual job to do in terms of running the countryside and and keeping it uh, keeping it looking cute and nice and fertilized they have a job to do um yeah. which which is also very very good for the climate as well because they're outside um a lot of the year some farms are lucky in that their animals are outside all year round because they're not so wet so those things are 
I think we we think about it too much. We analyze it too much. I think it's because of supermarkets have become so dominant here. There's no reason to say that that we can't reverse some of that if people are going to be more concerned about where their food has come from. It means they've got to commit to paying more for it instead of this constant drive down to you know cheaper foods. I mean, I don't um, think I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that um, that the the kind of less and less we associate uh, the meat on the supermarket shelves with the animal, you know, with the slaughter, the more we want to eat meat, you know, so, and and so people's appetite for meat is going up because they know less and less about how it happens. I don't know. No, the reason that meat globally is going up is because of the um, the developing nations earning more money and they can afford more meat. Yeah, I mean that's so. One it's not reason, that. But I just think it's not. We're not really eating more, UK, more meat in Britain. People in the I, UK I mean, they, would eat would, would would eat more meat now than they would in in your well, we've, in your we've always generation. we've always eaten oh, a lot of meat in in Britain because of our climate and because of our land. Uh, three quarters of our farmland only supports livestock, and and so that's why we've always eaten meat. And it's because of our climate is the only food that you can have all year round. Mm. Um, so so that's why, and um, and that's why Henry VIII, if you remember, was a great meat eater. So we also have a lot of deer that you can eat. Um, and and we've so come a long way since Henry VIII, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we eat less meat than they did in those days, yeah, and hopefully drink less alcohol. Possibly. And we're kind. But, um, and we're kinder to our have wives. less wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, in theory, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I think that sometimes we can get a little bit overblown. I spoke to somebody about Brexit. He said they'd voted Brexit because they weren't happy with the animal welfare in Europe. Um, but I can honestly say, and all of the. Um, food standards um, system backs this up. We have the best food system in the world. Even now, even though Brexit has destroyed a lot of it, it's still there. It hasn't gone yet. So celebrate it, hold on to it, and and feel good about eating it. It's good for you. Milk is good for you. Sugary, horrible drinks are not good for you. They're processed and and they're you know there's there's all sorts of things in there. Eat locally. Uh, produce sustainable food in season that's got as short a supply chain as possible um, and and you're going to have a, a more healthy life well i suppose it's not just an option of milk or horrible sugary drinks is it you, you, you know there are lots of drinks in between the two which are also that are also also good for you well anyway liz it's been <laughs> yes that's another complicated one yes but yes, the milk substitutes are are not as good as milk for you. But anyway, that's another story. But uh, longer than the interviews usually are. So thank, <laughs> you, for, thank you for agreeing to do this. Uh, that's and, okay. Uh, it's um, it's kind of shown a um, a different angle, which which was which was my intention because, like I said to you, you know, most of the people I speak to are in favour of cultivated meat for one reason or another. So it's it's good to speak to someone from the other yeah, side. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely happy to send you forward on some other farmers who can offer you another view as well. Oh, so, and um, if you want to promote your uh, website, um, your you know your campaign, then you know feel you know now is the time to do that. Yeah, um, our website is savebritishfarming.org, and we're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Threads. 
Um, and, uh, you know, give us a follow. And um, if you want to get in touch, feel free to email us. The and what's details the are on the website. And what are the general aims and objectives of, of, the, of the campaign? We are really pushing and, and hoping to bolster and hold on to our good food system, which has done us proud, um, certainly since it was built up after the last war. Um, to ensure that we've got good food security, food equality, which is very important, um, and and good high standards, um, because all of those things matter for all of us, um, for us now and for our future generations, because we are what we eat. And um, I don't like the idea of relying on other nations to feed us. You know, we need some food security, some self-sufficiency, as well as a good supply chain, which is not... Uh, overly big (laughs) and so that makes sense to be working with our European friends and neighbours who share our values yeah okay well thank you for talking uh, Liz and um, that's okay good to meet you and as I said if you want to speak to any other farmers I'm more than happy to pass on their details